Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. Let's go through those verses one more time. Verses 3 and 4 says, Control your own body in holiness and honor, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. God is the one who avenges those who are used and abused by people's lust. And we are all so worthy of God's vengeance. We are all so worthy of the holy, righteous wrath and judgment of God. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. And then in Hebrews 4, 16 it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God is rich in mercy. God absolutely loves you. He died for you. And we can confidently go before the throne of grace knowing that we will receive mercy and help in our time of need. How great is our God. Even when we do such horrible things to other people and to ourselves, our God says that he is rich in mercy and that we can come confidently before his throne of grace. It is not too late for you. You haven't gone too far. You're not too deep in it. There is hope. There is hope, there is grace, there is love, there is mercy. Now I want to talk about some practical ways that we can control our own bodies in holiness and honor. So Jesus says, going back to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, and I encourage you guys, read the Sermon on the Mount and reread it and reread it and reread it. It is one of the most absolutely incredible if not the most absolutely incredible teaching of all time. So Matthew 5, verses 27 through 30. You've heard that it was said, we talked about this earlier, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now we can understand why Jesus says that. Now we can understand why Jesus says, don't even look at a woman and lust after her. Verse 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. That is a pretty harsh statement, isn't it? It's Jesus saying to literally cut off your hand and tear out your eye. Yes. I'm just kidding. Um, no, he's not. Because if that's what Jesus if, Jesus, if we were to take that literally, every single person in this room wouldn't have hands or legs or eyes or ears or brains. We'd all be dead. So that, that is not 
what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying you should go through drastic measures to change. You should go through drastic measures to control your body and fight sin. So if you are in a relationship, again, we're getting into to practical application here. If you are in a relationship, you guys are having sex, and you're not married, and you, and you are a Christian, and you want to live a life that honors God, there are three options for you. All of them are very difficult. Every single one of them is very difficult. You have gone down into this pit, and now we're, we're repenting, right? And repenting meaning that we don't just say, hey, sorry, God, and I keep going. Repenting is realizing and admitting you're wrong, admitting your sin, turning around, doing a 180, and going the other way. So we've gone down into this pit. When, when we want to, to honor God and we want to repent, and when you turn from this sin, it takes work. It, it takes effort. And again, you, you've already conditioned your brain a specific way. So anyways, three options. Three options for you. One is you can stay together and stop having sex. Easier said than done, right? Way easier said than done. Sorry, I lost, I lost where I am in my house. Okay, there it is. We're going to, to get into more practical ways of making that happen in a second. The second option, if we go to 1 Corinthians 7, and this verse is going to, if you're not familiar with this verse, this verse is going to blow your mind that, that this is in the Bible. 1 Corinthians, I'm really, I like this verse. 1 Corinthians 7, 8 and 9, it says, To the unmarried and the widows I say, that it is good for them to remain single, as I am, okay. But, big but, if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. What? <laughs> if you're in a relationship with somebody, Paul is saying, man, if you guys cannot keep yourselves off of each other, just get married. Like, there's no way that's a Bible verse. Yes, it is. <laughs> Caveat to that. This is something that I would advise someone to do in special circumstances. So don't be going to Vegas tonight with your girlfriend. <laughs> and then when your mama's like, why did you get married to that person you met last week? Pastor JD said on Thursday <laughs> that if I want to have sex with her, we get married. No. There are a lot of <laughs> biblical um, examples, I don't think that's a good idea, okay? And, and, and there's, it makes me think of Samson, first of all. And then on top of that, there's this biblical idea of, of equally versus unequally yoked, which, I, which is very important, and we'll get into that sometime soon. Um, but if that's something that you want to talk about, I mean, come find me afterwards and we can talk about that. Um, but the last option... All right, option, option number one, stay together, stop having sex. We'll get further into how, how we can go about that and, um, and practically go about that in a second. Two, in, in special circumstances, just get married. And this is the third one. The last option is just as difficult because it is not, 
The second option, it sounds easy, but it's not, right? You're getting married. You are committing to this person for the rest of your life. Till death do us part. Sickness, health, all that good stuff. Anyways, last option is just as difficult as the first two. The first two require both of you, both you and your boyfriend or girlfriend, to be on the same page, right? If you want to stop having sex, but your boyfriend or girlfriend doesn't want to have stop se- having sex, option one isn't an option anymore. Option two, if you're down to get married, boyfriend girlfriend's not down to get married, option two doesn't work anymore. Option three, you cut off the relationship. And that is the practical application of if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. Jesus' words himself. And I know how difficult and shattering that situation must be. I understand, and man, I've been, I've been praying about this, this, this teaching for, for a long time because I know for, for you Christians that are struggling with these things that we're talking about, this is life-changing stuff that we're talking about. And it is not easy. It is not easy whatsoever. If you have been in a relationship for a long time, and you find yourself with the only option being option three, that is so difficult. That is so hard. And I know what that's like. I, I have been in that situation before. Um, and we were on the same page. But, and granted, and... But we, we didn't do the things that, that, I, that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, and it just got to the point where it was like, like I can't do this anymore. I, I do not have enough self-control to stop. So the only option was to cut off that relationship. It comes to the point where you make a decision on what is more important. Is your purity and your relationship with the Lord and what God has for you more important? Or is your lust and your fleshly desire more important? And that is a choice that you make. That is your choice. And I pray that God gives you the strength to do that. If you feel God speaking to you right now, I pray that God gives you the strength to do that. And God has given us so, much, so many promises. Um, in, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, My grace, Jesus says this, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul's response to that was, So I will boast all the more in my weaknesses because when I am weak, he is strong. When I'm weak, he is strong. He is your strength. Know that you will be okay. You will be okay. You, you are God's son and you are God's daughter. No matter what you're feeling, God honors when we give things up for him. He is the one that holds you. Allow yourself to submit to the will of God and just see how he comes through. And again, this is, it's not easy whatsoever. I'm not saying that this is easy at all. It is going to be one of the most difficult things you ever experience in your life. Now, we're going to talk about some practical ways that we can fight this temptation of sin. How we can fight addiction to pornography or having sex. The first thing that I would encourage you to do is is write out your goal. Is your goal to stop watching pornography? Is your goal to stop having sex? Is your your goal to stop masturbating? 
Physically write that down so that you can see it. And then I want you to think about your motive. Why do you want to stop doing this? Because you, Christian, because we as Christians want to honor God with our lives. We want to be a living sacrifice. We want to live and enjoy the life that God has given us on his terms, not ours. We want to live in the freedom that Jesus has freely given us. Write that motive down. Then I want you to think about about your moments of weakness, your weak times. When are you most susceptible to this sin? Is it when you're in your bedroom at night? Is it when you're tired? Is it when you go on social media? Is it when you go out with that specific group of friends? Is it when you have a couple of drinks? Is it when you're feeling stressed out? Is it when you watch a movie alone at his house or her house or, or your room or her room or his room? What is it that triggers you? And I really want you guys to take time in thinking about this, right? Because this, like I said, this takes, it takes effort for us, for us to, to fight and, and control our bodies. And if you find yourself, if you find yourself fall into that temptation and fall into that sin again, really think about the, the events that, that transpired and led up to you falling into that sin. Because it, it's a process. It's not like, hey man, I'm, I'm doing good, and boom, you're on your face. There's, there's, a, there's a process that happens. It could start with a thought. It could start with an image. It could be seeing a specific person on social media or seeing a specific person or driving by a specific bar or, or something like that. Figure out the, the sort of things that triggers your brain. Again, you have, you have conditioned your brain to see certain things and think, oh man, reward is that way. That's where the reward is. That's where the good feeling is. Maybe you need to take drastic measures and you need to keep your door open or like one of my homies, he just took his door off of his, of his room, which is almost literally like cutting your hand off and casting it from you. I don't think he threw it, but um, anyways. Maybe you need to hang out in the living room where people are around so you don't put yourself in, in an environment where you are easily susceptible to whatever sin it is that you're dealing with. Maybe you need to delete your social media. Maybe you need to put on certain software on your phone that doesn't allow you to go onto certain websites. I, and this is, this is, the majority of this is from personal experience, just so that you're aware. Social media off the phone, software, software on my phone. Um, maybe you need to stop socially drinking, or may need, maybe you need to stop hanging out in that club or bar, or even stop hanging out with those specific friends where that's all that they do, and they encourage that. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. I would also encourage you to get an accountability partner. Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says, Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I really do want to put some emphasis on keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Because when somebody comes to you for help, it's really easy for your pride to come in and you get all swollen up and thinking you're all spiritual and holy and I'm helping my brother in need. Uh, but be careful because Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride comes before destruction 
and a haughty spirit before a fall. Be humble, be careful, be watchful. You are absolutely susceptible. You are. You are a sinner. You you live in this fleshly body right now. You are susceptible. So, So be careful. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. And it says, bear one another's burdens, so fulfilling the law of Christ. And this is a part of fellowship. This is why, this is one of the reasons that I so highly encourage you guys to get involved in in a home fellowship or a small Bible study. I think that that is is such a significant key um, ingredient to having a strong walk with the Lord. Having your brothers and sisters come alongside you and help you and, and, and pull you up and, and bear your burdens and, and iron and, and sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron. It doesn't make you, so I encourage you, swallow your pride and tell someone about it. Man, admit that you need help. It doesn't make you any less of a Christian. It doesn't make you any less of a man or a woman. Man, and you Christians, if you have somebody come up to you and, and tell you that, that they need help, that they're struggling with something, man, the, the worst thing you can do is, is just judge them and, fill, and just try to fill them with, with shame and condemnation. Um, and again, I, I say that from experience. And a, a lot of years ago, one of, one of my friends came up to me and told me that this was something that he was struggling with. And man, I... I got on the holier-than-thou train so fast. And I said, I said some things to, to my friend, man, that I so regret. It was, not, it was not in love whatsoever. It was so judgmental. And, and that is not helpful at all because now he's getting on the defense. And you think that, that that guy ever told me again when he was struggling or when he was tempted? Absolutely not because he knew that the response would be judgment condemnation. So if somebody trusts you enough to come to you and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, like, I'm struggling right now. I'm struggling with this, and and I need help. Man, love that person. Love that person. Understand. Try to relate and understand what that person is going to. Again, you are are susceptible. You are 100% susceptible There's something significant about confessing your sin to someone that you respect and trust. It, it really does allow you to experience your sin and, and to see your sin in a whole new light. Because now the, the sin that was in the darkness, you're bringing into the light. And it's not just you that knows about it. It's other people that know about it. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I encourage you guys to use these tools to learn, like Paul says, excuse me, to control your body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust. Verse 7, for God, and again, we're in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. 
Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not men, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. This isn't me as a man, as a brother, as a mentor, um, as, as a pastor under my authority telling you this. This is God's word. And if you blow it off, you're not blowing me off. If you blow it off, you are blowing off what God's word says. You are blowing off what God has to say to you. You are saying that your will takes precedence over God's will. Verse 9. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Switching gears, okay? We, we got through the, the sexual immorality passages. Now, Paul, Silas, and Timothy are just encouraging the church again. Man, your brotherly love is so incredible and it's so beautiful. And I, just like them, can say that, that most of you guys here, the vast majority of you guys, do such an incredible job loving each other, and the community that you guys have built in this church is so ridiculously encouraging. And I am so thankful, and I am so humbled that, that I even get to be a part of this community, let alone uh, be, be in, in, in a position of, of leadership in it. Like, it, it absolutely blows my, my mind that, that I get to be a part of this. I, I am so encouraged by you guys. Verse 10, the rest of verse 10 says... But we urge you, brothers, do this more and more. So do it more and more. Continue to love each other. Continue to, to welcome people into this church, the people that are new. Continue to welcome those people and bring them into this family that we have here. Get out of your comfort zone and have a conversation with someone you've never talked to before. Get to know your family and bring new people into this family group. There's so many people that, that are impacted and give their lives to Christ just based off of the love and acceptance that they received from Christians, from people that are already in the family of God. So continue to do that. Get out of your comfort zone and love on people. I urge you to do this more and more. Verse 11, And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So having aspirations in life is good, right? It's okay to have aspirations in life. But what does it say here? It says aspire to live quietly. Not to do everything you can to be rich and, and TikTok famous and Insta famous and MySpace famous. That is, that is not what Paul is saying here. He's saying aspire to live quietly. It's so easy for work and ambition to become idols for us. It's so easy. Mind your own affairs. Don't be gossips and meddle in the lives of other people. What does Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Let's go back. Matthew 7 Verses 3 through 5. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. 
First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Figure yourself out. Be humble. Humble yourself. If a brother comes to you for help, that's way different than going out of your way, just calling out all the sins of everybody that you're around. You're a sinner because of this. You're a sinner because of that. You're a sinner because of this. And if you do find yourself in a position where you're correcting someone, is your intention and your motive to help your brother or sister, or is it to make them feel shame and condemnation about themselves? We need to be humble, and we need to do these things in love. And then he says, work with your hands. Don't be a mooch. Don't depend on the government and other people to take care of you when you're able to work. Don't be lazy or irresponsible and just get handouts for doing things. Work with your hands so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. In the workforce, you have the opportunity to be a light in that environment. You have the opportunity to be an ambassador in that environment. Last verse we're going to go through tonight is Colossians 3. 22 through 24. Stand by. Oh, it's literally one page tight. All right, 322 through 24. Sorry. Bond servants, all right, or employees. Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters or employers or managers not by way of eye service as people pleasers but with sincerity of heart fearing the Lord whatever you do work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward you are serving the Lord Christ work for the Lord your motive And we talked about this with with the Sermon on the Mount, too. Like, you could be doing a good thing, like working hard, but your motive is to to please the people around you, is to look good in front of your your manager so so that you get all the rewards. God has provided you with the ability to work. He has provided your job. He has given you a platform to share the gospel through the way that you work, the way that you talk, and the way that you live among your coworkers, outsiders that don't know Christ. That may be... That maybe by the witness of Christ and his love and grace and purpose that he gives us, you might be what God uses to bring that outsider into the church, make that outsider an insider, and become a part of this church family. Hey everyone, Pastor JD here. You've been listening to a teaching from Ignition Tucson, the young adults ministry of Calvary Tucson. If you live in the greater Tucson area and you're between the ages of 18 to 28, We want to invite you to join us in person. We meet every Thursday evening at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Tucson's East Campus on Speedway and Camino Seco. Come join us. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace.